Act Three of Trelawney of the Wells by Arthur Wing Pinero. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The scene represents an apartment on the second floor of Mrs. Mossop's house. The room is of a humbler character than that shown in the first act, but though shabby, it is neat. On the right is a door, outside which is supposed to be the landing. In the wall at the back is another door, presumably admitting to a further chamber. Down left there is a fireplace, with a fire burning, and over the mantelpiece a mirror. In the left-hand corner of the room is a small bedstead with a tidily made bed, which can be hidden by a pair of curtains of some common and faded material, hanging from a cord slung from wall to wall. At the foot of the bedstead stands a large theatrical dress-basket. On the wall, by the head of the bed, are some pegs upon which hang a skirt or two and other articles of attire. On the right, against the back wall, there is a chest of drawers, the top of which is used as a washstand. In front of this is a small screen, and close by there are some more pegs with things hanging upon them. On the right wall, above the sofa, is a hanging bookcase with a few books. A small circular table with a somewhat shabby cover upon it stands on the left. The walls are papered, the doors painted stone color, and old felt carpet is on the floor. The light is that of morning. A fire is burning in the grate. Mrs. Mossop, now dressed in a workaday gown, has just finished making the bed. There's a knock at the center door. Avonia from the adjoining room. Rose! Mrs. Mossop giving a final touch to the quilt. Eh? Is Miss Trelawney in her room? No, Mrs. Gadd. She's at rehearsal. Oh. Mrs. Mossop draws the curtains, hiding the bed from view. Avonia enters by the door on the right in a morning wrapper which has seen its best days. She carries a pair of curling tongs, and her hair is evidently in process of being dressed in ringlets. Of course she is. I forgot. There's a call for the peddler of Marseille. Thank God I'm not in it. I'm a great gorilla chief. I'm a robber and a thief. I can neither kill a foe or prig a pocket handkerchief. Mrs. Mossop dusting the ornaments on the mantelpiece. Bless your heart. You're very gay this morning. It's the pantomime. I'm always stark mad as the pantomime approaches. I don't grudge letting the rest of the company have their fling at other times. But with the panto comes my turn. Throwing herself full length upon the sofa gleefully. <laughs> the turn of a vonia bun. With a change of tone. I hope Miss Trelawney won't take a walk up to Highbury or anywhere after rehearsal. I want to borrow her gilt belt. My dress has arrived. Mrs. Mossop, much interested. No, has it? Yes. Mrs. Burroughs is coming down from the theatre at 12.30 to see me in it. Any kind of villainy cometh natural to me. So it endeth with a combat and a one, two, three. Mrs. Mossop surveying the room. Well, that's as cheerful as I can make things look, poor dear. Avonia taking a look round seriously. It's pretty bright. If it wasn't for the idea of Rose Trelawney having to economize. Ah. Avonia rising. That 
that's what I can't swallow. Sticking her irons in the fire angrily. One room, and on the second floor. Turning to Mrs. Massop. Of course, Gad and me are one room people too, and on the same floor. But then Gad is so popular out of the theatre, Mrs. Mossop. He's obliged to spend such a load of money at the clown. Mrs. Mossop, who has been dusting the bookcase, coming to the table. Mrs. Gad, dearie, I'm sure I'm not in the least inquisitive. No one could accuse me of it. But I should like to know just one thing. Avonia, testing her irons upon a sheet of paper, which she takes from the table. What's that? Why have they been and cut down Miss Trelawney's salary at the wells? Avonia, uh, hesitatingly. Hmm. Everybody's chattering about it. You could get a hair easily enough. Oh, I dare say. So, I don't mind. Oh, poor Rose. They tell her she can't act now, Mrs. Mossop. Can't act? Oh, no, dear old girl. Oh, she's lost it. It's gone from her, the trick of it. Tom enters by the door on the right, carrying a table cover of a bright pattern. Tom, coming upon Mrs. Mossop, disconcerted. Oh, my first floor table cover. E yes. Exchanging the table covers. I thought as the Telfers have departed, and as their late sitting room is at present vacant, that Miss Trelawney might enjoy the benefit, eh? Mrs. Massop snatching up the old table cover. Well, I never. She goes out. Avonia curling her hair at the mirror over the mantelpiece. I say, Tom, I wonder if I've done wrong. It all depends upon whether you've had the chance. I've told Mrs. Mossop the reason they've reduced Rosa's salary. You needn't. Well, she only had to ask any other member of the company. To have found one who could have kept silent. Avonia remorsefully. Oh, I could burn myself. Besides, it isn't true. What? That Rose Trelawney is no longer up to her work. Avonia sadly. Oh, Tom! It isn't the fact, I say. Isn't it the fact that ever since Rose returned from Cavendish Square? She has been reserved, subdued, ladylike. She was always ladylike. I'm aware of that. Well, then, what do you mean by... Tom, in a rage, turning away. <sighs> Avonia heating her irons again. The idea! Tom, cooling down. She was always a ladylike actress. On the stage and off it. But now she has developed into a... At a loss. Into a... Avonia, scornfully. Huh. Into a ladylike human being. These fools at the wells. Can't act, can't she? No, she can no longer spout. She can no longer ladle the vapour trash, the... Uh, the turgid rhodomontade avonia doubtfully you'd better be careful of your language wrench tom with a twinkle in his eye mopping his brow you're a married woman avonia avonia holding her irons to her cheek modestly i know but still yes deep down in the well of that girl's nature there has been lying a little bright clear pool of genuine refinement girlish simplicity 
and now the bucket has been lowered by love experience has turned the handle and up comes a crystal to the top pure and sparkling why her broken engagement of poor young gower has really been the making of her it has transformed her can't act can't she <sighs> how she would play dora in my comedy oh that comedy how she would murmur those love scenes murder murmur partly to himself do you know vernia i rose in mind when i imagined dora <laughs> you astonish me tom sitting and arthur gower when i wrote the character of gerald dora's lover in a low voice gerald and dora rose and arthur gerald and dora suddenly bonia avonia singeing her hair oh oh lord what now i wish you could keep a secret why can't i haven't you just been gossiping with mother mossop avonia behind his chair breathlessly her eyes bolting a secret tom tom nodding i should like to share it with you because you are fond of her too oh and because the possession of it is worrying me but there i can't trust you mr wrench no you're a warm-hearted woman vonia but you're a sieve avonia going down upon her knees beside him i swear by all my hopes tom wrench of hitting him as prince charming in the coming pantomime i swear i will not divulge leave alone tell a living soul any secret you may entrust to me or let me know of concerning rose trelawney of the wells amen tom in her ear vernia i know where arthur gower is is isn't he still in london tom producing a letter mysteriously no when rose stuck to her refusal to see him listen mind not a word by all my hopes tom checking her all right all right reading theatre royale bristol friday theatre royale be quiet reading my dear mr wrench a whole week and not a line from you to tell me how miss trelawney is when you are silent i am sleepless at night and a haggard wretch during the day young mr kirby our walking gentleman has been unwell and the management has given me temporarily some of his business to play arthur gower will you reading last night i was allowed to appear as careless in the school for scandal miss mason the lady teasel complimented me but the men said i lacked vigour <laughs> the old cry and so this morning i am greatly depressed but i will still persevere as long as you can assure me that no presuming fellow is paying attention to miss trelawney oh how badly she treated me avonia following the reading of the letter how badly she treated me i will never forgive her only love her only love her only love her and hope i may some day become a great actor and like herself a gypsy yours very gratefully arthur gordon in the profession bolted from cavendish square went down to bristol how did he manage it all tom taps his breast proudly but isn't rose to be told why shouldn't she be told she has hurt the boy 
stung him to the quick, and he's proud. But she loves him now that she believes he has forgotten her. She only half loved him before. She loves him. Sever right. Oh, Tom, is she never to know? Tom, folding the letter carefully. Some day, when he begins to make strides. Strides? He's nothing but general utility at present. Tom, putting the letter in his pocket. No. And how long have you been that? Ten years. Avonia with a little screech. <gasps> she ought to be told. Tom, seizing her wrist. Woman, you won't. Avonia raising her disengaged hand. By all my hopes of hitting him. All right, I believe you. Listening. Shh. They rise and separate, he moving to the fire, she to the right, as Rose enters. Rose is now a grave, dignified, somewhat dreamy young woman. Rose looking from Tom to Avonia. Ah. Uh. Good morning. Rose kissing Avonia. Visitors. My fire's so Good black. Morning. Showing her irons. I thought you wouldn't mind. Rose removing her gloves. Of course not. Seeing the table cover. Oh. Mrs. Mossop asked me to bring that upstairs. It was in the Telfer's room, you know, and she fancied. Oh, good of her. Thanks, Tom. Taking off her hat and mantle. Poor Mr. and Mrs. Telfer. They still wander mournfully about the wells. They can get nothing to do. Carrying her hat and umbrella, she disappears through the curtains. Tom to Avonia in a whisper across the room. The Telfer's. Eh? She's been giving him money. Yes. Damn. Rose reappearing. What are you saying about me? I was wondering whether you'd lend me that belt you bought for Ophelia to wear during the first two or three weeks of the pantomime? Certainly, Avonia, to wear throughout. Avonia embracing her. Oh, no, it's too good. I'd rather fake one for the rest of the time. Looking into her face. What's the matter? I will make you a present of the belt, Fonia, if you will accept it. I bought it when I came back to the wells, thinking everything would go on as before. But it's of no use. They tell me I cannot act effectively any longer. Tom indignantly. Effectively? First, as you know, they reduce my salary. Tom and Nivonia with clenched hands. Yes. And now, this morning... City. You can guess. Yes. Avonia, hoarsely. Got your notice? Yes. Oh. Rose, after a little pause. Poor mother. I hope oh. she doesn't see. Overwhelmed, Avonia and Tom sit. I was running through Blanche, my old part in the peddler in Marseilles, when Mr. Burroughs spoke to me. It is true, I was doing it tamely, but it is such nonsense. Hear, hear. And then that poor little song I used to sing on the bridge. Avonia singing softly. Ever of thee I'm fondly dreaming Thy gentle voice my spirit Thy gentle voice I told Mr. Burroughs I should cut it out. So ridiculously inappropriate. And that did it? Rose, smiling at him. 
that did it avonia kneeling beside her and embracing her tearfully my ducky oh but there are other theatres beside the wells for me only where the same trash is acted avonia with a sob but a few months ago you liked your work yes dreamily and then i went to cavendish square engaged to arthur tom rises and leans upon the mantelpiece looking into the fire <sighs> how badly i behaved in cavendish square how unlike a young lady what if the old folks were overbearing and tyrannical arthur could be gentle with them they have not many more years in this world he said dear boy and anything we can do to make them happy and what did i do there was a chance for me to be patient and womanly and i proved to them that i was nothing but an actress avonia rising hurt but still tearful oh it doesn't follow because one is a rose rising yes vonia it does we are only dolls partly human with mechanical limbs that will fall into stagey postures and heads stuffed with sayings out of rubbishy place it isn't the world we live in merely a world such a queer little one i was less than a month in cavendish square and very few people came there but they were real people real for a month i lost the smell of gas and oranges and the hurry and noise and the dirt and the slang and the clownish choking at the wells i didn't realize at the time the change that was going on in me i didn't realize it till i came back and then by degrees i discovered what had happened tom is now near her she takes his hand and drops her head upon avonia's shoulder wearily oh tom oh avonia from the next room comes the sound of the throwing about of heavy objects and of gad's voice uttering loud imprecations alarmed oh avonia listening attentively sounds like fardy she goes to the centre door at the keyhole fardy ain't you well darling gad on the other side of the door avonia i'm in miss trelawney's room ah avonia to rose and tom now what's put fardy out gad enters with a wild look ferdinand anything wrong gad wrong wrong sitting what do you think tell us i have been asked to appear in the pantomime avonia shocked oh fardy you i a serious actor if ever there was one a poetic actor what part fardy the insult the bitter insult the gross indignity what part fardy i have not been seen in pantomime for years not since i shook the dust of the t r stockton from my feet fardy what part i simply looked at burroughs when he preferred his request and swept from the theatre what part fardy a part too which is seen for a moment at the opening of the pantomime and not again till it's closed fardy eh what part a character called the demon of discontent rose turns away to the fireplace tom curls himself up on the sofa and is seen to shake with laughter avonia walking about indignantly oh 
returning to gad oh it's a rotten part rose dear i assure you as artist to artist that part is absolutely rotten to gad you won't play it darling gad rising play it i would see the wells in ashes first we shall lose our engagements Ferdy. i know burrows we shall be out both of us of course we shall do you think i have not counted the cost avonia putting her hand in his i don't mind dear for the sake of your position struck by a sudden thought oh what there now we haven't put by there's a knock at the door who is that colpoise outside the door is dad here miss trelawney yes i want to see him wrench i'll trouble you ask mr colpoise whether he approaches me as a friend an acquaintance or in his capacity of stage manager at the wells the tool of burrows tom opens the door slightly gad and avonia join rose at the fireplace tom at the door solemnly colpoise are you here as gad's bosom friend or as a mere tool of burrows an inaudible colloquy follows between tom and colpoise tom's head is outside the door his legs are seen to move convulsively and the sound of suppressed laughter is heard gad turning well well tom closing the door sharply and facing gad with great seriousness he is here as a tool of burrows i will receive him tom admits colpoise who carries a mean-looking part and a letter after formally bowing to the ladies oh gad mr burrows instructs me to offer you this part in the pantomime handing the part to gad demon of discontent gad takes the part and flings it to the ground avonia picks it up and reads it you refuse it i do with dignity acquaint mr burrows with my decision and add that i hope his pantomime will prove an utterly mirthless one may boxing night to those unfortunate enough to find themselves in the theatre long remain a dismal memory and may succeeding audiences scanty and dissatisfied colpoise presents gad with the letter gad opens it and reads i leave sitting the romeo the orlando the clifford leaves avonia coming to gad indicating some lines in the part fuddy this ain't so bad reading i'm discontent from orkney's isle to dover to make men's bile bile over i and dover vonia taking the part from avonia with mingled surprise and pleasure ho ho no that's not bad reading tempers though sweet i whip up to a lather make wives hate husbands sons wish fathers farther vonia there is something to lay hold of here i'll think this over rising addressing colpoise gus i have thought this over i play it they all gather round him and congratulate him avonia embraces and kisses him that's right 
I'm very pleased, Ferdinand. Avonia tearfully. That's right. Fuddy. Gad in high spirits. Egad, I play it. Gus, I'll stroll back with you to the wells. Shaking hands with Rose. Miss Trelawney. Avonia accompanies Colpoise and Gad to the door, clinging to Gad, who is flourishing the part. Vania, I see myself in this. Kissing her. Steak for dinner. Gad and Colpoise go out. Tom shrieks with laughter. Avonia turning upon him angrily and volubly. Yes, I heard you with Colpoise outside that door. If Gad didn't... It's a pity, Mr. Wrench. You can't find something better to do. Rose, pacifically. Hush, hush, Vonya. Tom, assist me with my basket. I'll give Vonya her belt. Tom and Rose go behind the curtains and presently emerge, carrying the dress basket which they deposit. Vonya flouncing across the room. Make fun of Gad, an artist to the roots of his hair. There's more talent in Gad's little finger. Rose rummaging among the contents of the basket. Vonya, Vonya. And if Gad is to play a demon in the pantomime, what do you figure as, Tom Wrench, among the half a dozen other things? Why, as part of a dragon. Yes, and which end? Rose, quietly to Tom. Apologize to Vonya at once, Tom. Tom, meekly. Mrs. Gad, I beg your pardon. Avonia coming to him and kissing him. Granted, Tom, but you should be a little more considerate. Rose holding up the belt. Here. Avonia taking the belt ecstatically. Oh, isn't it lovely? Oh, Rose, you dare, you sweet thing. Singing a few bars of the jewel song from Faust then rushing at Rose and embracing her. I'm going to try my dress on, to show Mrs. Burroughs. Come and help me into it. I'll unlock my door on my side. Tom politely opens the door for her to pass out. Thank you, Tom. Kissing him again. Only, you should be more considerate toward Gad. She disappears. Tom calling after her. I will be, I will. Shutting the door. Ha, <laughs> ha. Rose smiling. Hush, poor Vanya. Mending the fire. Excuse me, Tom. Have you a fire upstairs in your room today? Uh, not today. It's Saturday. I never have a fire on Saturday. Rose coming to him. Why not? Tom looking away from her. Don't know. Creatures of habit. Rose gently touching his coat sleeve. Because if you would like to smoke your pipe by my fire while I'm with Vonia. The key is heard to turn in the lock of the center door. Avonia from the next room. It's unlocked. I'm coming. She unbolts the door on her side and goes into Avonia's room, shutting the door behind her. The lid of the dress basket is open, showing the contents. A pair of little satin shoes lie at the top. Tom takes up one of the shoes and presses it to his lips. There's a knock at the door. He returns the shoe to the basket, closes the lid, and walks away. Yes? The door opens slightly, and Imogen is heard. Imogen outside. Is that you, Wrench? Hello. Imogen, in out-of-door costume, enters breathlessly. 
Imogen, closing the door, speaking rapidly and excitedly. <sighs> Mossop said you were in Rose's room. Tom shaking hands with her. She'll be here in a few minutes. <sighs> it's you I want. Let me sit down. Tom going to the armchair. Here. Imogen sitting on the right of the table, panting. Not near the fire. What's up? Oh, wrench. Perhaps my fortune's made. Tom, quite calmly. I congratulate you, Jenny. Do be quiet. Don't make such a racket. You see, things haven't been going at all satisfactorily at the Olympic lately. There's Mrs. Puddifund. I know. No lady. How do you know? Guest. <laughs> Quite right. And a thousand other annoyances. And at last I took it into my head to consult Mr. Clendon, who married an aunt of mine and lives at Streatham, and he lent me five hundred pounds. What for? Towards taking a theatre. Tom, dubiously. Five hundred... It's all he's good for, and he won't advance that unless I can get a further five or eight hundred from some other quarter. What theatre? The Pantheon happens to be empty. Yes, it's been that for the last twenty years. Don't throw wet blankets. I mean... Referring to her tablets, which she carries in her muff. I've got it all worked out in black and white. There's a deposit required on account of rent, two hundred pounds. Cleaning the theatre. Looking at Tom. What do you say? Cleaning that theatre? I say another two hundred. That would remove the top layer. Cost of producing the opening play, five hundred pounds. Balance for emergencies, three hundred. You generally have a balance for emergencies. You generally have the emergencies, if not the balance. Now the question is, will 500 produce the play? What play? Your play. My. Your comedy. Tom turning to the fire in a low voice. Rubbish. Well, Mr. Clandon thinks it isn't. He faces her sharply. I gave it to him to read, and he... Well, he's quite taken with it. Tom walking about, his hands in his pockets, his head down agitatedly. Clandon, Landon, what's his name? Tony Clandon, Anthony Clandon. Tom, joking. He's a... he's a... He's a hop merchant. No, he's not. Sitting on the sofa, leaning his head in his hands. He's a stunner. Imogen, rising. So, you grasp the position. Theatre, manageress, author, play, found. And eight hundred pounds wanted. Tom, rising. Oh, Lord. Who's got it? Tom, wildly. The Queen's got it. Miss Burdett Coots has got it. Don't be a fool, Wrench. Do you remember old Mr. Morphew of Duncan Terrace? He used to take great interest in us all at the Wells. He has money. He has gout. We don't see him now. Gout. How lucky. That means he's at home. 
will you run round to duncan terrace tom looking down at his clothes i nonsense wrench we're not asking him to advance money on your clothes the clothes are the man jenny and the woman the face is the woman there's the real inequality of the sexes i'll go is my face good enough tom enthusiastically i should say so imogen taking his hands <laughs> it has been in my possession longer than you have had your oldest coat tom make haste jenny imogen running up to the door oh it will last till i get to duncan terrace turning tom you may have to read your play to mr morphew have you another copy uncle clandon has mine tom holding his head i think i have i don't know look for it find it if morphew wants to hear it we must strike while the iron's hot while the gold's hot <laughs> mrs mossop enters showing some signs of excitement Imogen pushing her aside. <laughs> oh, get out of the way, Mrs. Mossop. Imogen departs. Upon my... To Tom. A visitor for Miss Trelawney. Where's Miss Trelawney? With Mrs. Gadd. Mossop. Don't bother me now. Mossop. The apartment's vacated by the Telfers. Dare to let him without giving me the preference. You tom seizing her hands and swinging her round i may be wealthy sweet rebecca embracing her i may be rich and honoured oh have done releasing herself my lodgers do take such liberties tom at the door grandly becky half a scuttle of coal to start with he goes out leaving the door slightly open mrs mossop knocking at the centre door miss trelawney my dear miss trelawney the door opens a few inches rose looking out why what a clatter you and mr wrench have been making mrs mossop beckoning her mysteriously come here dear rose closing the centre door and entering the room wonderingly eh mrs mossop in awe sir william gower sir william don't be vexed with me i'll see if she's at home i said oh yes woman mr lawney's at home said he and hobbled straight in i've shut him in the telfer's room there are three distinct raps with a stick at the right-hand door oh rose faintly open it mrs mossop opens the door and sir william enters oh he is feebler more decrepit than when last seen he wears a plaid about his shoulders and walks with the aid of a stick mrs mossop at the door ah and a sweet thing miss trelawney is sir william turning to her are you a relative no i am not a relative go she departs he closes the door with the end of his stick facing rose my mind is not commonly a wavering one miss trelawney but it has taken me some time months to decide upon calling on ye won't you sit down 
sir william after a pause of hesitation sitting upon the dress-basket rose with quiet dignity have we no chairs do we lack chairs here sir william he gives her a quick keen look then rises and walks to the fire sir william suddenly bringing his stick down upon the table with violence my grandson my grandson where is he arthur i had but one isn't he in cavendish square isn't he in cavendish square no he is not in cavendish square as you know well oh i don't know tish when did he leave you tish when he made his escape during the night twenty-second of august last pointing his finger at her as you well know sir william i assure you dish taking off his gloves how often does he write to ye he does not write to me he did write day after day two or three times a day for about a week that was in june when i came back here with drooping head he never writes now visits ye no comes troubadouring no 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 i have not seen him since that night i refused to see him with a catch in her breath why he may be sir william fumbling in his pocket ah but he's not he is alive producing a small packet of letters arthur's alive advancing to her and full of his tricks still his great-aunt trafalgar receives a letter from him once a fortnight posted in london rose holding out her hand for the letters oh sir william putting them behind his back hey rose faintly i thought you wished me to read them he yields them to her grudgingly she taking his hand and bending over it ah uh, thank you sir william withdrawing his hand with a look of disrelish what are ye doing madam what are ye doing he sits producing his snuff-box she sits upon the basket facing him and opens the packet of letters rose reading a letter to reassure you as to my well-being i caused this to be posted in london by a friend sir william pointed a finger at her again accusingly a friend rose looking up with simple pride he would never call me that reading i am in good bodily health and as contented as a man can be who has lost the woman he loves and will love till his dying day ah. read no more return them to me give them to me ma'am rising she restores the letters meekly he peers into her face what's come to ye you are not so much of a vixen as you were rose shaking her head no sir william suspiciously less of the devil sir william i am sorry for having been a vixen and for all my unruly conduct in cavendish square i humbly beg your and miss gower's forgiveness sir william taking snuff uncomfortably pish 
extraordinary change. Aren't you changed, Sir William, now that you have lost him? I? Don't you love him now the more? His head droops a little, and his hands wander to the brooch which secures his plaid. Let me take your shawl from you. You would catch cold when you go out. He allows her to remove the plaid, protesting during the process. I'll not trouble ye, ma'am. Much obliged to ye, but I'll not trouble ye. Rising. I'll not trouble ye. He walks away to the fireplace and up to the room. She folds the plaid and lays it upon the sofa. He looks round, speaking in an altered tone. My dear, gypsying doesn't seem to be such a good trade with ye as it used to be by all accounts. The center door opens and Avonia enters boldly, in the dress of a burlesque prince, cotton velvet shirt, edged with bullion trimming, a cap, white tights, ankle boots, etc. Avonia unconsciously. How's this, Rose? Ah! Oh, go away, Vonia. Sir Gower! To Sir William. Good morning. She withdraws. Sir William pacing the room, again very violent. Yes, and these are the associates you would have tempted my boy, my grandson, to herd with. Flourishing his stick. <sighs> Rose sitting upon the basket weakly. That young lady doesn't live in that attire. She is preparing for the pantomime. Sir William standing over her. And now he's gone. Lured away, I suspect, by one of ye. Pointing to the center door. By one of these harridans. Avonia reappears defiantly. Look here, Sir Gower. Rose rising. Go, Vonia. Avonia to Sir William. We've met before, if you remember, in Cavendish Square. Rose sitting again helplessly. Oh, Mrs. Gad. Mistress, a married lady. Yes, I spent some of my honeymoon at your house. What? Excuse my dress. It's all in the way of my business. Just one word about Rose. Please, Vonia. Avonia to Sir William, who is glaring at her in horror. Now there's nothing to stare at, Sir Gower. If you must look anywhere in particular, look at that poor thing. A nice predicament you've brought her to. Sir. Uh, correcting himself. Madam. You've brought her to beggary amongst you. You've broken her heart, and what's worse, you've made her genteel. She can't act since she left your mansion. She can only mope about the stage with her eyes fixed like a person in a dream. Dreaming of him, I suppose, and of what it is to be a lady. And first, she's put upon half salary, and then today, she cuts the sack. The entire sack, Sir Gower. So there's nothing left for her but to starve, or to make artificial flowers. Miss Trelawney, I'm speaking of. Going to Rose and embracing her. Our Rose. Our Trelawney. To Rose, breaking down. Oh, excuse me for interfering, Ducky. Retiring in tears. Good day, Sagawa. She goes out. Sir William, after a pause, to Rose. Is this the case? 
rose standing and speaking in a low voice yes as you have noticed fortune has turned against me rather sir william penitently i i'm sorry ma'am i i believe you've kept your word to us concerning arthur i i rose not heeding him looking before her dreamily my mother knew how fickle fortune could be to us gypsies one of the greatest actors that ever lived warned her of that miss gower will also feel extremely extremely keen once warned mother of that sir william in an altered tone keen which keen edmund keen my mother acted with edmund keen when she was a girl sir william approaching her slowly speaking in a queer voice with keen with keen yes sir william at her side in a whisper my dear i've i've seen edmund keen yes a young man then i was quite different from the man i am now impulsive excitable keen drawing a deep breath ah he was a splendid gypsy rose looking down at the dress basket i have a little fillet in there that my mother wore as cordelia to keen's lear i may have seen your mother also i was somewhat different in those days rose kneeling at the basket and opening it and the order and chain and the sword he wore in richard he gave them to my father i've always prized them she drags to the surface a chain with an order attached to it and a sword belt and sword all very theatrical and tawdry and a little gold fillet she hands him the chain that's the order sir william handling it tenderly keen god bless me rose holding up the fillet my poor mother's fillet sir william looking at it i may have seen her thoughtfully i was a young man then looking at rose steadily put it on my dear she goes to the mirror and puts on the fillet sir william examining the order lord bless us how he stirred me how he he puts the chain over his shoulders rose turns to him rose advancing to him there sir william looking at her cordelia cordelia with keen rose adjusting the chain upon him this should hang so returning to the basket and taking up the sword belt and sword look sir william handling them keen to her in a whisper i'll tell ye i'll tell ye when i saw him as richard i was young and a fool i'll tell ye he almost fired me with an ambition to to fumbling with the belt how did he carry this rose fastening the belt with the sword round him in this way ah he paces the stage growling and muttering and walking with a limp and one shoulder hunched she watches him seriously 
Ah, uh, he was a little man, too. I remember him as if it were last night. I remember. Pausing and looking at her fixedly. My dear, your prospects in life have been injured by your unhappy acquaintanceship with my grandson. Rose, gazing into the fire. Poor Arthur's prospects in life. What of them? Sir William, testily. Tish, tish, tish. If I knew where he is. Miss Trelawney, if you cannot act, you cannot earn your living. How is he earning his living? And if you cannot earn your living, you must be provided for. Rose turning to him. Provided for? Miss Gower was kind enough to bring me here in a cab. She and I will discuss plans for making provision for ye while driving home. Rose advancing to him. Oh, I beg you will do no such thing, Sir William. Hey. I could not accept any help from you or Miss Gower. You must. You shall. I will not. Sir William touching the order in the sword. Ah, yes, I... I'll buy these of ye, my dear. Oh, no, no, not for hundreds of pounds. Please take them off. There's a hurried knocking at the door. Sir William startled. Who's there? Struggling with the chain and belt. Remove these. The handle is heard to rattle. Sir William disappears behind the curtains. Imogen opens the door and looks in. Imogen seeing only Rose and coming to her and embracing her. Rose, darling, where is Tom Wrench? He was here not long since. Imogen going to the door and calling desperately. Tom! Tom Wrench! Mr. Wrench! Is anything amiss? Tom! Imogen! Imogen returning to Rose. Oh, my dear, forgive my agitation. Tom enters buoyantly, flourishing the manuscript of his play. I've found it, at the bottom of a box, deeper than did ever plummet sound. Do I, Imogen? Eh? What's the matter? Oh, Tom! Oh, Mr. Morphew! Tom, blankly. Isn't he willing? Imogen, with a gesture of despair. I don't know. He's dead. No! Three weeks ago. Oh, what a chance he has missed. Tom bangs his manuscript down upon the table savagely. What is it, Tom? Imogen, what is it? Imogen pacing the room. I can't think of no one else. Done again. We shall lose it, of course. Lose what? The opportunity. Her opportunity. My opportunity, your opportunity, Rose. Rose coming to him. My opportunity, Tom? Tom pointing to the manuscript. My play, my comedy, my youngest born. Jenny has a theatre, could have one, has five hundred towards it, put down by a man who believes in my comedy, God bless him, the only fellow who has ever believed. Oh, Tom. Turning to Imogen. Oh, Imogen. My dear, five hundred. We want another five, at least. Another five? 
or eight and you are to play the part of dora isn't she jenny i mean wasn't she certainly just the sort of simple little miss you could play now rose and we thought that old mr morphew would help us in the speculation <sighs> speculation it's a dead certainty dead certainty poor morphew and here we are stuck fast tom sitting upon the dress basket dejectedly and they'll expect me to rehearse that dragon tomorrow with enthusiasm rose putting her arm around his shoulder never mind tom no i won't taking her hand oh rose looking up at her oh dora sir william divested of his theatrical trappings comes from behind the curtain oh tom rising uh, rose retreating sir william gower tom sir william to tom i had no wish to be disturbed sir and i withdrew bowing to imogen when that lady entered the room i have been a party it appears to a consultation upon a matter of business to tom do i understand sir that you have been defeated in some project which would have served the interests of miss trelawney y yes sir mr wicks wrench tish sir it would give me pleasure it would give my grandson mr arthur gower pleasure to be able to aid miss trelawney at the present moment sir william would you like to hear my play sir william sharply hey looking round ho ho my comedy sir william cunningly so ye think i might be induced to fill the office ye designed for the late mr mr morphew morphew eh N no sir no no yes sir william after a short pause quietly read your play sir pointing to a chair at the table sit down to rose and imogen sit down Tom goes to the chair indicated. Miss Gower's voice is heard outside the door. Miss Gower outside. William! Rose opens the door. Miss Gower enters. Oh, William, what has become of you? Has anything dreadful happened? Sit down, Trafalgar. This gentleman is about to read a comedy. A cheer. Testily. Are there no cheers here? Rose brings a chair and places it for Miss Gower beside Sir William's chair. Sit down. Miss Gower, sitting, bewildered. William, is all this quite... Sir William, sitting. Yes, Trafalgar, quite in place, quite in place. Imogen sits. Rose pulls the dress basket round as Colpoise and Gad swagger in at the door. Colpoise smoking a pipe gad a large cigar sir william to tom referring to gad and colpoise friends of yours 
Yes, Sir William. Sir William to Gad and Colpoys. Sit down. Imperatively. Sit down and be silent. Gad and Colpoys seat themselves upon the sofa like men in a dream. Rose sits on the dress basket. Avonia opening the center door slightly in an anxious voice. Rose? Come in, ma'am, come in. Avonia enters, coming to Rose. A cloak is now attached to the shoulders of Avonia's dress. Sit down, ma'am, and be silent. Avonia sits beside Rose, next to Miss Gower. Miss Gower in horror. Oh! Sir William restraining her. Quite in place, Trafalgar, quite in place. To Tom. Now, sir. Tom opening his manuscript and reading. Life, a comedy, by Thomas Wrench. End of Act Three.